Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on a fellow Persian sister. Her name is Shireen Edesam. She's an author, transformational speaker, entrepreneur. We talk about how she got into this business, how she's on this journey. I have to apologize a little bit for a little bad audio in some parts, um, but it's a really insightful episode. We talk about spiritual bypassing, how not to get into a spiritual coma, just the amount of content that is out everywhere and what it's doing for us, how it's benefiting us, how it's hindering us, all that good stuff. She talk about her spiritual journey and how that came to be after a breakup. Uh, she's a great speaker and her new book, Free to Be, a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul is coming out. So here is Shireen. Hope you enjoy it. your story and what led you to write free to be what was the inspiration so well the catalyst um, really was a major breakup that I had at the end of 2013 November of 2013 and I had been with my partner who is now my co-parent um, for 13 years and we had been dear friends for nine years prior to that and um, so a 22-year friendship, partnership, relationship all dissolved within 20 minutes, mm -hmm. a 20-minute conversation. And I, it, it propelled me into a dark abyss. And it frightened me. And it felt endless in that day in, day out, I found myself in that abyss, and it made me realize that I wasn't just dealing with a broken heart. I was, like, right. everything felt broken, and the thing that was strange is that I had all the things that everybody strives for you know the 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 attainments it was i had the great position we had the homes we had the cars we had the you know nice vacations we had uh, mm -hmm. the lofty titles and awards accolades and i felt totally empty inside and i'm like hmm what is this about so so i set out to not just write a new chapter but um but a new book <laughs> and then I literally wrote a book on writing <laughs> once I figured out you know how to rewrite my own story and I realized that um, you know I, I call it um, bobbing for spiritual apples in the first years I had no idea what I was doing um, mm -hmm. so I was just kind of grasping at whatever felt good right and um, and so I realized um, that this my six-year process, if I knew what I was doing, really could be distilled into six weeks. You know, it isn't like, oh, you know, you do the six weeks and life is perfect, but it is a great primer for mm -hmm. really, truly resetting one's life. So hopefully that answered your question. It did. And did you always find yourself 
wanting to write books when you were younger? Is, is this the path that you always wanted to lead and have for Not yourself? at all. Not, Not at, at all. all. Not mm-hmm. at all. You know what? I? It's interesting that you ask that because when I was younger, I really I got into theater. I went to a artsy-fartsy high school <laughs> where you had to get accepted into a department in order to um, – to get in, and it was in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I love, love, love the high school. I'm still involved with it. Um, oh. And um, and I, you know, had I known that public speaking was an option at that age, I probably mm-hmm. would have chosen that. Acting was the closest that I could get to being in conversation with people. You know, that's what I I wanted to um, be, not necessarily on stage, but I wanted to have active conversations and be able to express myself and hear others. And I knew that it wasn't a, I mean, I love one-on-ones and I have many of them with friends and family, but I knew that I, I, for whatever reason, it was in a group setting. So, So I followed that, and then it it evolved into filmmaking, and the more I was Mm -hmm. behind the camera, I was less in front of the camera, and and so on. But um, so it's kind of gone full circle in that, you know, now I'm having the conversations that I want to have. So the book is really kind of a conduit to the world I want to be living in, you know, And, and hopefully helpful to many. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, as a healer myself, I know the importance of soul work, but what does soul work mean to you and why is it important right now? Well, I, I would argue that it's important at any point, but yeah. um, I think that we are at a place mm-hmm. where people are more open to a deeper journey, discovery. And, you know, if you look at like Maslow Pyramid um, of existence survival, we are, you know, if, if we have our food and safety and such, taken care of and mm-hmm. we have um, the basics taken care of, you know, there is a need to a, a, a discovery of one's raison d'etre. You know, we, we mm-hmm. are from an early age, we are taught to act like others and study like others and be like others. And then we're, you know, I have two teens and they're very much, um, they want to be like others and our uniqueness really diminishes. And there's a lot of talk that, you know, between the ages of zero and five or seven, there's what they call disassociation. We mm-hmm. all have it to different degrees. So we disconnect from our true core, our inner star, our, our soul. And 
we start living life from the outside in. And right. and and frankly that is why I felt so empty when I had the big breakup because I, I realized that my entire life was from the outside in and I was continuously grasping and I had lost my magic. So mm-hmm. I know I am definitely not alone in that. And I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who are struggling. So th- there's yeah. that on that side. And then on the other side, I truly believe that self-transformation is global transformation. Yeah. You know, we keep having the same kind of conversations, whether it's at the UN or you know, on the political level and in the country, and it's, you know, opinion versus opinion, and, you know, Mm -hmm. you agree with this, you don't agree with that, and it's like, you know, could it be (laughs) that we are having not only the wrong conversations, um, Mm -hmm. but from from the wrong place? (laughs) You know, we're having our minds who are, you know, continuously negative, and I mean, eighty percent of our thoughts are negative, and um, I think it's ninety-five percent are repetitive. And we are allowing our monkey minds to rule the world, <laughs> and right. and we haven't done a really great job of it. So could it be that that conversation, that global conversation, comes from a different place than our minds? So, um, so there. I mean, many reasons. Also, I think that you look at uh, mental health and mental wellness and what a stigma it had 10 years ago, and now mm-hmm. it no longer does. Why? Because people step forward, a lot of celebrities, a lot of athletes, and there's, you know, like there's something wrong here. <laughs> and I think that spiritual health is is the same spirituality has had a pretty bad rap in that you know it's either too woo woo or it gets confused with religion and the truth of it is that spiritual wellness and mental wellness go hand in hand because if you don't have spiritual wellness all you're doing with your mental health is mental management you know you're just moving furniture around in your in your mind so, so it has to be approached from a different level, which is already baked in into therapy and retreats and all of that, but most people don't talk about it. People don't say, I'm going to take a spiritual health break, right? But I think they will in, in three to five years as it continues to destigmatize. Right, and that leads to another thing that you say, that not everyone is our people. So how do we find our people? Uh, our tribe? I, our, uh, I'm sorry? Yes, our tribe, exactly, perfect. Yeah. Um, so I believe that when we do the work that we need to do, our people will find us. For example, yep. I when I, in the early days of my abyss, mm-hmm. I, I I used to have a hashtag, um, my motto, which was better than this. 
I, I was, you talk about, you know, small steps. Mine were mm-hmm. tiny, tiny. It was, it was, if the next minute will feel a little bit better than this minute does, then that's improvement. So tiny, tiny steps, which, you know, led to days and then weeks and then months and um, mm-hmm. transformation surely happened. But in those early days, I had two friends who came out of the blue, and I mean out of the blue. One I hadn't seen for, I think, 13 years and okay. literally popped up like a, a, a month after the breakup. And then the other who was a friend but not a close one. And I, I, to this day, I have no idea why they showed up as strongly as they did but they mm-hmm. became my lifeline, you know, and I had plenty of friends. And then there were other friends who I thought would be there that just didn't really show up. So I started paying attention to those who were really expanding my, my heart and, mm-hmm. and there for me through the thick and thin. And, um, you know, it's a handful of people, but my God, I so rely on them. And I have, I would say, there is, in on in my inner, inner core, there mm-hmm. are six. There are six um, friends and family members. And um, they are very much invited to sit at my table. They're also invited to criticize me when it is needed. And I have two friends that do that very well, you know, they'll just call me on stuff, be like, hmm, um, and, uh, and are there for me regardless of what I am going through. I had one friend talk to me, I swear to God, when I was dealing with um, custody stuff and um, in the early days, I remember sitting at the corner of my room, like, mm-hmm hunched down and sobbing, and she stayed on the phone with me. She's also an attorney, um, but public defendant, and um, for five hours, five hours, I I don't know what her day was, but she's definitely not, you know, she's got stuff to do. Five hours, just chatted with me. I mean, like, that's that's amazing. So, and those people get the right to say what they need to say to me mm-hmm. because they have earned it. That's amazing. That's a great friend. And I totally, totally agree. And I see that in my own experience as well with what you're talking about. So do you also uh, suggest, you suggest a daily purge. What do you think we should purge first besides like people that are not in our tribe, even though we don't need to really purge them, they get purged well, purging, yeah, purging is a little bit different than, you know, in regard to um, who one has in their lives. I um, I have this um, this uh, set of criteria, and I call it taser, shield, filter, or hug. So okay. taser are people who are just toxic in one's life, and they should not be anywhere in your life. And if you can shut them out, taser them out, not literally, but, you know, 
spiritually taser them <laughs> away. And mm-hmm. um, and then there is shield. Those are people, whether it's like a co-parent or a um, relative that you don't get along with, but they need to be in your life or a, a boss that you can't really tolerate. So you shield them. You set some mm-hmm. really strong boundaries and mm-hmm. they can in your life Mm -hmm. and there is filter um, which is really about not oversharing like knowing who you share yourself with and you know we all have those friends who you know on social media they'll just you know share about everything good or mm-hmm. their friends because we don't have the full context for for anything for everything yeah. so mm-hmm. so it's that that's that's really the filter category and and the hug is one stripe so so that's what that is about but the daily purge really is about 6 to 10 minutes of purging all sorts of ne- negative thoughts so when we wake up, right, as soon as we mm-hmm. wake up, we've got our to-do list and, you know, you could almost feel the, 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 um, it does when we wake up. So it's all of those things. Like I, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm not good enough. I am mm-hmm. already late. I, whatever it is, purge, purge, purge. And right. whether that is in writing, that is doodling, it's painting, it's skipping down the street, it is cartwheeling, it's dancing it off, whatever it is, it's literally mm-hmm. throwing that stuff out, <laughs> purging, <Right>. vomiting, <laughs> the negativity, mm-hmm. so that you clear your slate. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it, it may sound funny, but once you do it, you're just like, yeah, and then and then you move on with your day. That's a really quick exercise. I have bunch of different exercises, daily exercises um, for each week, but if people don't, if people do the process but don't do the daily exercises, which I hope they do, my minimum Mm -hmm. requirement is that you do the purges. Do the purges? Okay. And you also talked about avoiding spiritual comas. Can you get more into that? Yeah. So um, it's sort of, and I'm going through... um, a bridge and tunnel situation by now. Um, I'm about to go through lovely uh, Golden Gate Bridge. So, uh, okay. um, so, uh, sorry, what was the question? Uh, spiritual comas. Spiritual comas is, yes. So, spiritual coma is the depth of spiritual bypassing in that we are so in our spiritual seeking that we lose touch with the world and and reality and we don't end up dealing with real life issues as we need to. So there is a 
need for spiritual practicality, <laughs> if you want to call it that, right. in that, in that the work, the work of the work really needs to be integrated in what we do in the here and now and in our daily lives. So if there is a separation, and it's a fine line because, you know, we talk often about creating a separation between one's thoughts and and oneself and, and awareness. So that's not the kind of separation I'm, I'm talking about. But the but the separateness as in you are not living in the here and now, you're living in some sort of magical thinking and um, spiritual bypassing world. So we just have to keep that in check because life is challenging by nature and we, if we escape it, we truly are not doing ourselves any good or people around us. That right. is not what spiritual wellness is about. It isn't about separating yourself from the, the life you have. It's truly about shaping it, designing it so that you can live most potently without having to step outside of it. Okay. okay, very interesting. So do you also think that we need to carve time daily to be creative? How do you be cre- how are you creative? Gosh, I mean I I I feel like I'm continuously um creative. I mean I I every day I wake up and think how do I want to design today? What do I want to have happen? And either it happens or it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but I set out with that intention. And, you know, like today, I, I have no idea what today will look like, but I have my intentions for the day. And I will, you know, creative-wise, I I love, I do write. I, you know, I when I am um, visiting my mom, I will surely make her dance because she needs to move. And um, and that is, to me, creativity where we're, you know, building or strengthening our relationship and having a lot of fun um, by doing so. So there's plenty of ways to be creative. Creative doesn't necessarily mean art. It just right. means creative expression. I love that, love that. Um, so you talk about, uh, you call it infoxication, and how does that feel, feelings of disconnect? Does that mean when we're overwhelmed with information and content? Yeah, uh-huh. infoxication. Yeah, infoxication is literally content overload, and mm-hmm. we all suffer from it from, you know, in some degree, as you know, we live in the modern world. We wake up every day and we're bombarded by content, whether it be through, you know, radio, social, TV, um, 
whatever it is. And we have content coming at us 24-7. And it truly is up to us to decide what we allow in and what we shut out. And Mm -hmm. we often don't do that. I mean, so many people will wake up in the morning and turn on the morning news, you know, and uh, I, to me, even the thought of it stresses me out and I love being informed and I have my, you know, my go-to sources for news and I try to get it from a, a few different sources just to be fully well informed, but I do that um, certainly not first thing in the morning, and I it takes me all of I want to say ten minutes to do that, and um, and then I I shut it off. And social, I am, you know, I have the people that I I follow, and if there's something trending, I may check it out, but but truly that's it. And but more than anything, it's shutting off your devices like the kids come home and they know instantly that as soon as they come home they leave their phones on the kitchen counter and they don't get it back up until um, we've had dinner and they've done their homework it's just a given you know Um, so things like that and really regulating it allowing one day where there's no electronics my friend Tiffany Schlein wrote a book called 24-6 and mm-hmm. t- talking about taking a uh, digital Shabbat, you know, like just free of any sort of electronics and screens for a day and how amazing that has been for her family. And it's a continued tradition. So um, so it's really important. Whatever that ends up looking like for people, there are some people who rely on um, – screens a lot more than than others do for their work. So in the book, I talk about um, various means of filtering and minimizing content Mm -hmm. that that fits with one's lifestyle, but very, very important. It's sort of, I I call it mental junk food. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no way that, you know, we would just go from, you know, one fast food drive-in to another fast food drive-in just because right. we can. But but we do that with, with you know, social media and we do that with TV and, and such. And there is a price we pay for it, you know. And it isn't just a lack of, of ability to for decision-making. It's, you know, uh, many, many studies on, you know, the level of depression and, and so on. So it's really important, you know, and and you think about it. So we've got this barrage of content coming at us and Mm -hmm. our minds naturally um, veer toward the negative and the repetitive, right? So you can imagine you, you put in all this content, you add negativity to it if it already isn't negative, and then it repeats. So you've got this like a washing machine of crap in your head. So it's it's all about really minimizing that, and obviously, you know, there is there are also ways once you minimize that to create greater clarity um, within your mind, which I discuss in the book. Absolutely. So, where can uh, listeners find your book and learn more about you and your work? 
great question. So um, everything online is my name, so shereenetosalm.com, my social on Instagram and TikTok are, are also, which is where I'm, I am mostly, that's also Shereen Adosalm. Uh those are my handles, and uh, the book can be found on multiple platforms, Amazon's probably the easiest, it's available for pre-order now, and it comes out June 20th. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Shireen. I'll be in touch with you. Thank you. Have a great trip. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.